0: God bless his word to us as we read it together this morning's holy word. As I said, we've uh, got two weeks to go and we're going to be looking at heaven this morning and the new heavens and the new earth that God promises us at the end of time. I just wanted to reiterate before we get into that and then come to a time of worship that um, <coughs> As I said, tonight is cancelled, so the the Winter Wonderland's cancelled, so there is no service tonight. Not that we're cancelling the concept of having a service, there is no service tonight at all, uh, which some of you will be glad about with the World Cup match. It's not not the reason that we're cancelling, but um, yeah, just to make that clear, I I don't want any confusion around that. Uh, We looked previously, as we looked at the destruction of the City of Man, Babylon, the representative city of of Rome, of everything that is oppressive and that rises up against the kingdom of God, we said that really we have here at the end of Revelation a tale of two cities, a tale of two women, the harlot riding the beast and the great bride of Christ, referred to as the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. The great city, Babylon, which was destroyed along with Satan and all of his hordes and the holy city. And there's a direct contrast between the two, and we we read, we read in chapter 17, and we looked forward to 21, which we've just read, and there were various comparisons, which we're not going to make again this morning, but various comparisons between Babylon and Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, heaven as it comes. One is portrayed as a harlot, the other is portrayed as a bride. And now we come to This picture of the new heavens and the new earth that are promised to all those that overcome, those that stand against compromise and conflict, in compliance and complacency, the early churches and the church throughout the age, the hope of heaven. Daryl Johnson says that the biblical vision of the future is not about the end of creation, it is about the beginning of creation, the beginning of a new creation. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And Eugene Peterson says that the sin ruined creation of Genesis is restored in the sacrifice renewed creation of Revelation. The story that has creation for its first word has creation. For its last word and the readers of the first century were grappling with the loss of their home city Jerusalem which was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. They were alienated and they were oppressed by a political and a governmental and an economic system that alienated them and pushed them to the fringes and was anathema to their Christian faith and beliefs much has been made in the press this week of the latest census which shows for the first time since records began that those identifying as Christian in the United Kingdom are now in the minority for the first time. And as usual, the humanists and the secularists are out in force predicting again the demise of Christianity and the need to dismantle any remaining vestiges of Christianity from the fabric of British culture. And we look around society today and culture and we feel more and more alienated. We read the newspapers and we think, what is happening to my home? (laughs) What is happening to this country? What is happening to this world? We look at the rubble of Christendom throughout the Western society, and in some ways we could despair. But then we remember the words of Paul as he wrote to the Christians in Philippi when he said, We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. And He will take our weak, mortal bodies and He will change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. And we look at the state of the earth around us, the arguments around energy security, and climate, and net zero, and the earth's resources, and stop the oil protests, and the eco-warriors. And we watch as war rages between Russia and Ukraine, and conflicts continue around the world. We see the latest earthquake, or tsunami, or flood, destroy elements of the earth. And we remember the words of Paul to the Romans For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And then maybe at a personal level, as well we face personal tragedies or we face loss, we face sickness, we face death, we face the loss of our loved ones and our friends. The realization that we're getting older as we look in the mirror at our wrinkled faces and our graying and receding hair. And the struggles that we have with illness and Failing bodies. The searing pain of bereavement. The curse of decay and disease and the ongoing struggle with sin. And we remember Paul's words as he wrote to the Christians in Corinth. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret we will not all die but we will all be transformed it will happen in the moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown when the trumpet sounds those who have died will be raised to live forever and we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Or when Paul wrote again to the Romans, he said, we believers, we also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit with us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. And now we come to John and his vision in Revelation. And as Daryl Johnson points out, there are various things that we read that are not there in heaven, that will not be there. And there are various things that are described in this vision of heaven that are there and that will be there. And we remember again the symbolism of revelation. We see here pearl gates, gates made of whole pearls, the 12 gates of heaven from whence we get the phrase, the pearly gates of heaven. (laughs) We see golden streets and we see rivers of life and we see jewels and we see specific dimensions and thicknesses of walls. In 12,000 by 12,000 stadia, the dimensions of this cuboid city. And it's a vision. It's a revelation. It's not a Google map of heaven. But what is not there? What does John say will not be there? First of all, he says the sea will not be there. What, say the sea lovers amongst us? The sailors and the paddle boarders and the wild swimmers and those who do love to be beside the seaside? No sea? But before you get too despondent, the sea to first century believers was a symbol of chaos and it was a symbol of death and it was a symbol of sin and the sea represented the powers of work in the universe that threatened to undo us. And there was no longer any sea in this vision of the new city, of the forces of chaos are gone and all threats to the people of God are gone. And another thing that we will not find in this new heavens and this new earth, this new creation, as the creation of old is made new, completely new and renewed, We will not find in this place any tears, and we will not find any death, and we will not find any mourning, and there will be no crying, and there will be no pain. Have you ever seen or experienced that tender moment when someone is crying, and someone else draws near, and wipes away their tears? In the New Jerusalem, we read that that person is no other than God himself. And God himself will be with them. And he will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. For those of you who have stood or will stand by a bedside or a graveside, who've watched a loved one move from life to death for the mourning and the grieving and the weeping. For those of you who've had chronic pain, for those of you who've had debilitating illness, ill health, for those of you who watched your body failing, what John reminds us is that in this new heavens and new earth, which is coming to those of us who are written in the Lamb's book of life, is that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. Amen. And then John tells us that in this new heavens and new earth there's no temple. He says in 21:22, he says, I did not see a temple in this city. Because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city is described as being a cube shape in 21, 15 to 16. The angel who walked with me and talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long." There's our figure 12 again, 12 and 12,000. And some translations have translated 12,000 stadia and modernized it and put it into modern, um, a modern dimension, however many feet or however many miles or meters or kilometers, but that denies the purpose of the description it's 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000. It's perfectly dimensioned and, and uh, perfectly made by God. But the only other shape that we find in the, new, in, the, in the Bible that is cuboid in shape is the Holy of Holies, described in the temple of the Old Testament. It's the place where God was seen to dwell. It's the place where the high priest would come and meet on behalf of the people in the presence of the living God where God tabernacled but now in the new heavens and the new earth we read that God dwells with his people there is no need for a temple there is no need for a holy of holies there is no need for a separate meeting place we will live in the presence of God and the Lamb And John tells us in his gospel that the word became flesh as we celebrate at Christmas. And he dwelled amongst us. He tabernacled amongst us. For that period of time where God came near, God came down, God incarnate, God in the flesh, God amongst us. And do you remember Jesus walking amongst the lampstands at the beginning of Revelation? Walking amongst his churches, amongst his people, with the people But here we see that we will live in the presence of God and the Lamb. He will tabernacle with us. There's no need for a tabernacle or a temple. There's no need for a Holy of Holies. For as the loud voice from the throne declares in 21, verse 3, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. There is no need for a temple. There is no sea. There is no tears. There is no death, mourning, crying, or pain. And there is no curse. Chapter 22, verse 3 No longer will there be any curse. (laughs) When Adam and Eve originally sinned in the Garden of Eden, where they were to walk in the presence of God, a curse came on the earth. And on humankind. And we read about it in Genesis chapter 3. The ground itself was cursed. Creation was cursed. The earth was cursed. It no longer yielded fruit without toil and sweat. Relationships were cursed. Males sought to rule over females. Women suffered through childbirth. And in their new city, there will be no curse the curse will be lifted and creation will be set free from its futility and its frustrations and blessing will reign. But what is there? What does John see that is there in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth? God is there. His face is there. His presence is there. His beauty Is there, his glory is there. God in all his glory and presence and beauty and purity are there. Remember what the psalmist says when he says, In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In the Old Testament, Moses wanted to see God. He wanted to see his face. He wanted to be intimate with him. And, but he could not. God said, you can't see my face. Because if you see it, you will surely die. But even then, even as Moses reflected in the presence of God, even though he only saw his back, even though he only saw God and his presence pass by, his face shone like an angel. His face shone Because he'd been in the presence of God. God says to Moses in Exodus 33, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock and when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by and then I will remove my hand And you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And Paul said, when he was reflecting on this in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I I know in part, Paul says, then I will know fully. I'll finally understand everything. The stuff I can't work out now, the questions I have. Why did this have to happen, God? Why is this happening in my life? All the stuff that we don't understand, the stuff we don't grasp. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And they, chapter 22, verse 4 of Revelation, they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. This will be the ultimate fulfillment of the Mosaic blessing that we say so often from the front of our church. The Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Face to face, intimacy, closeness, knowing someone and being fully known. Loving someone and being fully loved. We are fully loved and we are fully known by God. No need to hide your face in shame. No need to hide from the glory of God. God's glory is there in heaven. In the new heavens. In the new earth. And it's described in this passage in various ways, again pictorially and symbolically. So in chapter 21, 10 to 11, he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It's divine in its origin. It shone with the glory of God and it sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. We read these descriptions, like we saw early in Revelation, these jewel-like descriptions, these rainbow-like descriptions in chapter 21 and 18 to 21. The wall was made of jasper. The city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. And then these 12 precious stones are listed, and the 12 gates were made of pearls. Each gate from a single pearl and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. We've got here a picture of the glory and the beauty of God's presence. The most beautiful thing you have ever seen pales into insignificance to the beauty of God and his presence and what it will be like. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. I used to be so frightened of the dark as a child. I used to lie in bed and ask my mum to leave the landing light on. So I wouldn't have to lie in the dark. In darkness, which covered the earth before God created. There is no darkness. There is only the light of God. An intimate fellowship with him. There is no night, there is no chaos, there is no sin, there is no sorrow. Just the light and the glory and the presence and the face of God. Intimate fellowship with him and his people. And that's another great thing of what we will find in the new heavens and the new earth. We will find, finally, the United Nations. (laughs) Not some construct of man which ultimately always perverts that which it tries to create. Not man's efforts at peace and unity. And not all of the arguments around race and origin and ethnicity, as we've seen in the newspaper this week, around the question of the way that the lady-in-waiting addressed the lady at the garden party, and the questions around race, the questions around ethnicity, around the color of skin, around where we come from, All of the fear of the other, the mutual distrust, the conflict, the confrontations, will all be gone. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his peoples, plural. He will live with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them. The Greek is plural. Lao, Leo, Leo, the plural of Laos, there will be my, these will be my peoples. No one ethnic grouping can bear or manifest the full image of God. It takes us all. And in the new heavens and the new earth, we will all be there as God's multi-ethnic race. And all who are victorious will inherit these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. And we see there the 12 tribes of Israel written on the gates. And we see the 12 foundation stones which have written on them the name of the 12 apostles. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We have the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And they will all be represented there. All of God's peoples. All of God's family. The nations, we read in 21, 24, 6, will walk in its light And the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. And its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Have you ever been somewhere where you don't need to lock your door at night? There's still a few places around that that's the case, not many these days. They will leave the gates open. There's no need to close them. There's no threat. And the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. We sing that song, uh, one we have come to bless the Lord gathered here in unity. One hope, one faith, one joy, one salvation, one Christ, one cross, one death, one resurrection. And he shall reign forevermore. And we shall reign with him. And One final thing that John says will be there in these new heavens and this new earth is life will be there. Fullness of life fruitfulness, health. And he also said, 21 verse 6, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is a picture of a river flowing with life, with trees growing alongside it, depicting the original garden scene of the Garden of Eden and the recreation of the perfect paradise in the presence of God, taking us back to the beginning, back to the Garden of Eden, back to a place of fruitfulness and a place of fullness of life. And when Jesus walked this earth, he said, there's one that comes to destroy But I have come, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you fullness of life. I've come to give you wholeness of life. I've come to give you shalom of life. I've come to give you zoe, life is the Greek term used here. God life, eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish But shall have eternal life. At the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last battle, the unicorn says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up, come further in. And as he spoke, we read of Aslan, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this, the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story, All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter 1 of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Peter says in his letter, according to his promise, We are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the hope of every believer, of every suffering saint, of every aging person, of every diseased body, of every bereaved parent, of every bereaved child who knows that those who have gone before them are in the very presence of God. Theologians speak of an intermediate state. But there will come a day when the final trumpet is blown. And all will be made new. Behold, God says, I am making all things new. It will not all be destroyed. We will not go to heaven and play harps and float around on clouds. We will have a new earth. And we will have new heavens. We will have a recreated presence of God. We will live in the presence of God where there will be no more sin and sorrow and suffering and death. And this is the hope of everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The question we asked last week was, if you died tonight, can you be sure that your name is written in that book? Can you be sure that you've been marked with the Lamb's blood, the blood of the Lamb, that you are His child and this is your inheritance. Make sure that you can. Make sure that you've committed your life to Christ. Make sure that you've invited Him into your life as your Savior and your Lord. As the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make that choice, to make that commitment to follow Christ, to make sure that you are marked with the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, and the communion table that we have come around this morning, that we take these emblems until he comes, in remembrance of him, until he comes, in anticipation of, we celebrate this Christmas, his first coming, we await with expectation, his second coming. And we can say, like Paul, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh death, is your sting? Well, death is your victory. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died so that we might live. You were raised to life, the firstborn from among the dead. We thank you for the promise of Corinthians, that we will receive glorious new bodies, that what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. What is sown mortal will be raised immortal. We thank you for the promise and the hope of a new heavens and a new earth. May we live in the reality of that hope. May we live in the urgency of telling others about that hope. And as we celebrate this Advent period and think about the first coming of Jesus Christ, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the birth of a new heavens and a new earth. I pray that, Lord, there would not be one in earshot of this message who would wait another day before committing their life to Christ, making sure that their name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life that they can have this eternal life eternal hope and Lord for those who are suffering this morning suffering in their bodies suffering with chronic pain suffering God even as I speak now for those facing sickness or illness or death for those of us have watched as loved ones or friends have died and we all will we all will die But God, I pray that, Lord, we would have this hope in us, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life. And this is just the cover page, this life on earth. The real story begins in the presence of God in the new creation. So, Lord, help that hope to burn brightly within us. And I pray in the meantime, God, that though outwardly we are wasting away, that inwardly we would be renewed day by day, by the power, the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ, I ask in your name. Amen.